to start off this episode with. Neither do I. Anything so. that I, anything clever or quippy, it's not there. It's not there right now. It's and been drained out of my body. Yeah. It's, it's a Monday. It's a, it's a Monday. Yeah. It's a real Garfield of a Monday. Yeah. I need a whole pan of lasagna to get through this fucking Monday. Oh, man. I would love a pan of lasagna. But on it, quite frankly, too, I think I'm going to have, and we'll probably both have, a very large rant at the end of this episode. Oh, are we? Oh, I think so. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sexist bullshit? How'd you know? I don't know. How I just do ever guess. I, it's like I've done this before oh and God, I know exactly like, what's going to happen. It's like we've done this for almost 160 episodes. <laughs> so weird. Sometimes there's patterns. <laughs> most sometimes. times there's patterns. <laughs> surprise, yeah. surprise. I'm going to say most times. Yeah. yeah. Kill, surprise. Yeah. So we might as well just jump right into this. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> We're, welcome to our bullshit. Yeah, welcome to the bullshit that is the music industry. Yeah, exactly. Buckle the fuck up. Mm, it's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. And we're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And this week we have a real fun story. I meant to do it last week. Wasn't ready for it. So Ashley picked up the slack. That's okay. Bruce. I, I would have <laughs> loved to finish Women's History Month with this story. Yeah. But, like, I just wasn't at you know a mental what? place. Bruce is our American hero. I guess he saved the day. He did, though. It was a great episode. It really was. And, um, you know, now you can get the fuck out of the way, Bruce. All right. Thank you for, be- <laughs> thank you for being the warm-up act, Bruce. Thank you for being a friend, but us golden girls need to yeah. pick it back up. Speaking of golden girls, today we're going to talk about the Go-Go's. Very excited for this story because I know absolutely shit which is about the go-go super funny because i'd like to cite my sources the first source is going to be the documentary that came out last year that premiered on showtime now you can get it on youtube for like five bucks for like oh two or three weeks like i had it for a while nice but also vh1's behind the music sometimes i sometimes you have to reference the og dude i'm gonna go into it later but like it's a really thorough story Really? Oh my, it's, yeah, I'll get into it. usually behind the music gets like a pretty good overview and that's about it. I think it's because Jane Jane was in The Surreal Life, so they wanted to really pump it up. Uh, that mm. makes a lot of sense. Right? But yeah, and also I did a lot of online digging, finding uh, articles. Uh, Rolling Stone had a really good interview with them last year, right before the documentary came out. Oh. And there was just a couple other really good articles that I had found that were pretty helpful and, like, helped fill in any blanks that both documentaries had. So, my preparation for this episode was listening to Heaven is a Place on Earth on repeat for about a week. (laughs) But that's... It's not even the Go-Go's. It's It's Belinda Carlisle's solo shit. But you know what? It's a great fucking song. And I am not taking shit for it. (laughs) I mean, you know what that's worth. I do. You know. Baby, I know what that's worth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You heard it here first, folks. She knows what that's worth. I do. Yes. And also what that's worth is six degrees of beer. Oh, yeah. You get to do it. (laughs) Six degrees of beer. Yeah. That that theme might change every week. Here we are. Sure. All right. So I am drinking... From Thin Man Bluey, Laminar Flow, which is a fruited sour ale. 
It's with peach and blueberry and strawberry. It is quite fucking tasty. It's good. It is. Um, I was surprised because I was afraid. It's not quite as tart as I'm used to with sours, but... It's not as tart as you usually hope for with sours. Yeah, but And usually so they disappoint because they're not tart. But this this one, you know what? It's still... It tastes kind of like... You know, a nice, like, you're actually eating fruit. So yeah. I think that's why I really enjoy it. And then I found out it was 6.2%. And then I started to realize I was getting a little tipsy before we started recording. Like, we need to record now because I'm kind of tipsy already. What's it like to not have a tolerance? Because, <laughs> like, I'm drinking mead and cider mixed together. And I'm like, I am fucking sober. You know what I've discovered? If I don't drink heavily for about two weeks. And by don't drink heavily, I mean, like, I don't drink during the week. And even, like, during the weekend, I'll probably have, like, maybe six drinks overall. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been kind of cutting down because I feel like it was making my anxiety worse. So, now I can, like, have two beers. I'm like, I'm drunk. <laughs> and it's kind of fun. I wish. Because now I have to drink, like, a lot to get Yeah, I don't remember buzz, the last time I I'm saw like, you drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, just don't get drunk anymore. Which is actually kind of nice because I don't like being drunk. Right. But sometimes I kind of want to be buzzed and yeah. I'm like literally guzzling 7% ciders. I'm like, my stomach can't handle this. That's too much cider. So like, what What do I have? To, I guess I have to stop drinking. <laughs> yeah. It, honestly, you take a week off. You'd be surprised That's what happens. so difficult though, especially when you work at a meadery. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to definitely choose a week you aren't working at the meadery. <laughs> yeah. So laminar flow. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, because... Oh, now we're going to try it. We're going to try to six degrees this. Uh, laminar flow. Because, uh, what is it? You got the flow or... Oh, we're talking about the go-go, so yeah. go with the flow. Go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, because they flow because they got the beat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tried so hard. But actually, laminar flow is a th- It's a real thing. It's in fluid dynamics. Laminar flow is characterized by fluid particles. following smooth paths and layers with each layer moving smoothly past the adjacent layers with little or no mixing i don't know what that means so it's kind of like laminated layers that are moving against each other but not mixing together they're just kind of floating on top of each other that could work for the go-go's sure all their personalities Flowing oh. together well? Sometimes. <laughs> oh. But maybe not? Not always. Huh. They're not always flowing together smoothly. All right. Well. Okay. So you know what? It's laminar flow because it's the complete opposite of the Go-Go's a lot of the time. <laughs> there you go. Like it was the Go-Go's for like the first two years. And then after that, woof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, fuck it. It's a good beer. Six degrees of deep separation. Yeah. Of personalities. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, five, really, because there's only five Go-Go's. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying here, kids. <laughs> I'm doing... You know what? I'm God-smacking it. You know what? Just give us the hot goss on I, you these know, ladies. You guys ready for the hot goss? Well, here we go. Let's go. Let's go in for it. Okay. Here we have five women who were sick of the boys' club and they were experiencing in rock and roll and thought it would be fun to start their own group. Little did they know... They would become the most successful all-female band, Asterix, who played their own instruments and wrote their own songs. Okay. So, they are like... There is a, a 
there is a deep separation here. (laughs) (laughs) There is a separation. Yes. There's a flow, but it is separated. Yes. So they are one layer flowing against another layer of female musicians. Correct. Because we did it. We did it. We totally did it. Because, of course, there are a plethora of female groups who have done the same. Like, they're still very successful, Mm -hmm. but they either, like, don't play instruments or someone else wrote their music. Right. So that's where that comes from. Kind of like the Bangles. They were another all-female group that played their own instruments and performed their own songs, but mostly other people wrote their songs. Correct. Also the same with, um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Joan Jet, The Runaways. The Runaways. Thank you. But as of now, the Go-Go's are the only ones to have really gotten the accolades that they have during their heyday, mm-hmm. which already has me stopping to think about how messed up that really is. Mm-hmm. Just stop and think about that. That was the 80s. Yeah. And they didn't get there without putting in a massive amount of hard work. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Got to get into my behind the music voice. Mm. But also hard partying. <laughs> and cue the dramatic music. Threatening to tear them apart. <laughs> but behind the scenes, what people couldn't see under these sweet faces was a crazy party lady. <laughs> I can't do it. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Was a crazy party lady. <laughs> down, 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 down. You know exactly what fucking yeah. music I'm talking about. The Go-Go's started out as a group of ladies just trying to have a little fun. And, you know, little did they know, they would become a worldwide sensation to influence other musicians throughout the decades. With all their successes and losses... They would use those experiences to write some of the most iconic songs that we know today. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the 80s. Literally, they pop into my head every time I say the word vacation. Vacation, <laughs> gonna go away now. Vacation, fuck my fucking job. I mean, I take liberties, yeah. but still. It's, a, it's the same gist. It really is. You can't really say there was a leader of the Go-Go's. But if there was someone you could say lit the match of this blaze, I would say it was Jane Weedlin. She grew up in Wisconsin, and by the time she hit adolescence, she kind of felt pretty out of place. In a story all too familiar, she fell into a depression and tried to kill herself around the age of 15. Holy shit. Yeah. After that, she started to get more involved and inspired by the punk movement out of London, a vibe that fit pretty perfectly with her restlessness. She managed to get herself out of the bland Midwest and into a more exciting life by getting herself into a fashion program in L.A. Hmm. Really big into designing. Which I think makes sense because I feel like Jane was the most fashionable of the She was. She was on RuPaul's Drag U and she was hot. She looked amazing. I don't know why she was even on Drag U. I don't think she needed it. She didn't really need it. (laughs) But I think they just wanted her on there. Because VH1's like, hey, come on. And she's like, all right. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, but do you want Jane Weedlin on your show? And RuPaul was like, yes. And Jane Weedlin's like, well, I've done enough for VH1 already. She's like, I'm not doing anything else. So. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. That was a terrible Jane Weedlin. She just has this cute little pixie voice that a, I am not capable of yeah, replicating. A pixie is very apt. That's yes. an apt description for her. She is fucking adorable. Yes. She's the sweet little pixie of a lady. I love her. There, she started attending shows and making friends in the scene. Soon, she would meet another chick who was running in similar groups, Belinda Carlisle. 
Which is just a fantastic name. Right? Is that her birth name? Yeah. That is amazing. It is a fantastic name. Yeah, right? Her parents did right. Yeah. Well, in that aspect. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Good, good. Well, the two became fast friends and would party together quite often. Belinda was a California girl born and raised, but don't get it twisted. She may have been born in Hollywood, but her childhood was anything but star-studded. Yikes. By the time she was in elementary school, her father left her mother with seven children. What? Seven. Seven children. Seven children. Yeah, Belinda was the oldest. So let me guess, she had to take care of all of her brothers and sisters. Not particularly. Her mom was fine. Okay. You know, her mom... Her mom didn't really fuck But her up. dad's a rad dad. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, she finally remarried, and it was to some alcoholic jack wagon who moved the family around and didn't have a great relationship with the eldest child. Rad stepdad. Yep. She had rad dad and rad stepdad. Awesome. The double combo. <laughs> Which now I want combos. <laughs> fuck. Combos are way better than that combo. I know. We're Give not me even... that fake pizza cheese with a pretzel wrapping Ooh. any day. These guys are just shit in a shit wrapping yeah that sounds about right shit combo (laughs) belinda craved acceptance and in school joined the cheerleading squad in order to fit in but it wasn't long before she started skipping school and smoking pot and just being a degenerate child degenerated (laughs) thank you (laughs) she would go to beauty school only to drop out after the first year and move out of her parents' house to pursue a career in music. So did she play instruments No. And stuff? She was just a singer? Just was like, nah, music. Sounds great. Doing I think, that. I think it was more that. Okay. Sure. I mean, clearly we have seen she has a gorgeous voice. Yeah. And she probably knew that. But also, I think she was just like, I want to go party and maybe become a musician. Because... If you become a musician, you can party. Exactly. Yeah. She just wanted that carte blanche, man. I don't blame her. She's like still in, you know, a teenager. Yeah. So I feel that vibe. No. You're already in California. Right. Come for the party. Stay, Stay for, for the, the party. party. <laughs> Good. Okay. It was the late 70s. And around this time, you'd catch most of the youths picking up records by the Ramones or the Sex Pistols, really vibing on themes of dissatisfaction with the establishment and wanting to just be accepted as a weirdo. Mm. While this was music that Jane and Belinda were super into, after attending enough shows in LA, they began to feel a bit uninspired by this first wave of punk. Because it's a bunch of dudes. <laughs> yes, it's a bunch <laughs> of dudes. <laughs> there was a desire in them to jump on stage and do it better. Yeah. Mm. One night, they were hanging out with their friends, Margot and Alyssa, And after some discussions over some drinks, they were like, let's start a band. And everyone claimed their parts. Belinda is the singer. This just reminds me of being like a teenager. Like, let's start a band. I'm going to be the singer. (laughs) No, I want to be the singer. No, I want to be the singer. And nobody wants to be the bassist. Oh, well, (laughs) Jane picked guitar. Margo went with bass and Alyssa on drums. The only problem was, aside from Alyssa, no one really knew how to play. <laughs> but you know what? We've covered this in so many stories before. Like yeah. the Ramones and Joy Division. 
learning to play was a small hill to conquer back then. And luckily in punk, you pretty much just needed to know the basics and that's it. Yeah. As long as it sounded somewhat fluid together. As long as some dudes can just fucking headbang in the pit, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. As long as we can just push people around to it, it's fine. Jane and Margot picked up whatever they could find instrument-wise, and they got to work just teaching themselves. And at the very least, Jane could bring songwriting to the table. Mm-hmm. She discovered a passion for writing while working as a pattern maker in L.A. and would write lyrics all over her patterns. That's adorable. Right? Like, sometimes she'd just be working on patterns. She'd just be like, lyrics, 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 I mean, that's convenient, being a pattern maker and a lyric writer. Because you have just paper you can write shit down on right there. Yep. It's nice. Luckily for them, it was only a few months later that they would meet Charlotte Caffey, who would become lead guitarist and keyboardist. Another Cali girl, Charlotte grew up in Glendale and is the daughter of Michael Caffey, who has directed such 70s hit shows as Wonder Woman, Chips, etc., etc. Oh my God. Really? He knew Eric Estrada. (gasps) I know. Heartthrob. (laughs) Heartthrob Eric Estrada. <laughs> she is one of. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll wait till you finish. She is one of 13 children. The fuck? <laughs> the, the, the 13 children. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What? Why? Why? Well, Why do you need to have that many kids? You know, quiverful? I don't know. <laughs> God? God. Mm. I, well, she was brought up through a Catholic school lifestyle, so yeah, God. Oh, God. Music became her passion at a young age, and she would get her degree from the Immaculate Heart College during the 70s. Never heard of it. Yeah. But you know what? God has. I'm sure he's heard their prayers. <laughs> Damn. I'm sure they're paying their student loans with thoughts and prayers, too. So there you go. There you go. I don't think I don't think the banks take thoughts and prayers. <laughs> if only they did. Yeah, seriously. Now they'd look at us and just be like, we know you don't fucking pray. Give me my fucking money. Fine. She went on to join a few bands here and there, but nothing really stuck. For a long time, she identified more as this kind of classically trained surfer girl and had very little interest in the punk scene. But as she got older, the freedom that punk offered appealed to her, and soon she would run in the same crowds as the Mm soon-to-be Go-Go's. It was soon after that she was asked to join this all-girl punk group. Without hesitation, she said yes. But despite her superior skill on the bass, they didn't want to push out Margot, so they asked her instead to take lead guitar. Mm-hmm. She's like, I ain't. The most exciting thing having Charlotte in the band was that she could help the rest of them learn to play. <laughs> she even This was pre-internet. Yeah, so she you was actually... their YouTube channel. Yeah, and like... <laughs> If you couldn't play by ear, then you would have to learn notes, and then you would have to go to, like, Guitar Center and get a fucking tab book. Ye old Guitar Center. Ye oldie Guitar Center. <laughs> and get a get a ye oldie tabular scroll. Oh, my and God. <laughs> learn how to read it, and maybe you can play, like, Let It Be by the Beatles. There you go. <laughs> it's a nice little way to learn, isn't it? <laughs> Funny thing is, she even taught them how to plug in their guitars. They didn't know how to do that. Finally. Just babies. Just little babies. (laughs) Finally, their skills were improving, and now they were saddled with the task of deciding on a name. And it all came to a head one night at a Denny's. 
Of course, because everything comes to a head at Denny's. Yeah, when you're at Denny's at 2 a.m., that's when you come up with your band name. It's also like, but when I say things come to a head, it's either you're fucking in the bathroom (laughs) or you're getting into a fight. Either way, things come to a head in a Denny's. I see see that double entendre you put in there. I see it. I see it. (laughs) There was some back and forth between a few choices they liked. Originally, they leaned towards the Misfits, unawares that only a little before then, there was a band on the other side of the country trying to make it big under the same name. Mm. They had no idea about that band so far. Right. However, when going over the term go-go, they discovered it meant some sort of effervescence, which was kind of more of the appeal they were going for. They wanted to, you know, be viewed as these bright excited effervescent women not super depressing political crazy pants people kind of yeah Yeah. pretty much (laughs) now that they had jane able to write up some great lyrics and charlotte able to create some beautiful harmonies together they became quite the songwriting duo each bringing a separate part of the song to the table to make it whole and as the girls kept improving they found that this pipe dream was looking more like a possibility And nearly everyone was prioritizing the future of the Go-Go's. Everyone except Alyssa, that is. She still wasn't quite ready to quit her day job and see where fate would take them, so she eventually left her role as drummer. Do we know what her day job was? I'm sure something said it somewhere, but I didn't think it was important enough to keep in my head because we never see Alyssa again. I bet you it was like a state job with a really good benefit package because that's the only good reason to leave. I feel leave like it. it was like a waitress or something. Oh, come on, I know. Alyssa. No, it was it might, maybe she was like a secretary at like an office or something. It probably had a decent pension. It probably I don't had know. a really good benefits package. If that's, you know, well, she had I get health it. insurance. Guaranteed she's a Capricorn, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> she's very, you know, resourceful like a capricorn right and logical and like really weighing her options here and really i mean you could you don't have a stable future possibly with the go-go so i get it i get it but also wrong choice yeah as she would eventually find out it wasn't long after that they met drummer an actual fan of the band gina shock at a party in santa monica They explained their situation to her and asked if she would be available to drum for them. And despite already being in two bands already, Gina figured, what the hell? Yeah, she just agreed to join up with them anyway. Mm -hmm. Gina grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Early in life, she began her music journey with the piano and the guitar. She never really felt like she truly grasped either, though. And so instead, she decided to go for the drums. Then she started playing along with Led Zeppelin and the Beatles, you know, that jazz. Mm -hmm. And soon she hit her stride and began playing in local bands. This could only sustain her for so long, though, before she craved something more. In her early 20s, Gina packed up her father's pickup truck and drove it all the way to the West Coast to pursue a music career. And out of all of them, she was the one who actually probably could. (laughs) And the only one who probably had a decent enough dad that was just like, yeah, take my pickup truck. Yeah, you know what? I'll get a new one. You take my old one. You know what? This one's a little rusted out anyway. It should just get you to the West Coast. Good luck. Yeah, you know, here's some quarters in case you need a payphone (laughs) to call me. Don't use it on hot dogs from the gas station. (laughs) adding her to the group became another blessing as she made it her personal mission to whip these girls into shape and get them to take their musicianship seriously good 
Before that, they were just kind of having fun, and like, yeah, they were playing shows, but they, you know, they wanted they to clearly, do stuff, but like, whatever. And they're like, oh, we'll get to practicing, and she's like, no, nah, we're practicing every fucking day, and they're like, what? And she's like, every fucking day. Apt name then. Go Gina, goes. Gina Shock. Oh, Gina Shock, which is her real name. Yeah, Regina awesome. Shock. That is awesome. As Gina began to get the, to know the group better, she developed an especially close bond with Jane, and the two dated for a brief time. And even though Jane would call it off, neither of them would let them mess up the band dynamics. They were like, nah, we still got to keep this going. Because they know how to be civil and look out for the greater good of the band. For now, yes. It is kind of really funny that, like, they were like, nah, we won't let that damage the band. That's not going to happen. Wink, no. wink. Nudge, They're totally nudge. fine. Always. They can totally be friends and watch the other day other people and not have it affect the band. Oh, no, they can. It's it's other things that'll just make them all implode. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Their ragtag nature, complete with an amateur setup of half-broken amps and cheap guitars, were about as punk as it got. Yeah. Musically, they still had a ways to go, but their performances were full of energy and that don't-give-a-fuck attitude. Mm -hmm. So people were digging it. As they were gaining traction in the local scene, they were approached by their friend Ginger Canzanari to manage them. And she was very invested in this group of women and wanted to help them continue to move forward. So the girls were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's keep going. We're friends. This will work out great for now. Ladies helping ladies. Ladies helping ladies. And that's exactly what Ginger wanted. She's like, I want to see more women succeed Mm -hmm. in music. So, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Eventually, the Go-Go's landed themselves a spot at the Whiskey A-Go-Go as one of their house bands. Was Axl Rose sitting perched upon the top of the roof going, me, (laughs) me. And then, (laughs) I want some ice cream, me. I was going to say, the Go-Go's like, Axl, you want some ice cream? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, fuck you, Axel. Fuck you. <laughs> they just throw, Stupid girls. They throw an ice cream cone at him. Slingshot it up at him. This was before Axel, I think, was in that scene. But I really like picturing it anyway. Man, Axel on the roof, he hasn't made an appearance in like two years. I know. It's been a long time. Oh, but man. it's nice to revisit our old friends. Our old friend Axel on the roof. <laughs> on the roof of the whiskey go it's like fiddler on the roof but not nearly as <laughs> axel on the roof oh can somebody write a play that's axel rose on the roof of the whiskey a go go i don't care what happens it's really hard to really sympathize with his plight though it really oh it yeah really yeah he is certainly a very flawed protagonist i want to be contact lens solution or it's just the antagonist i'm not really sure at this point it's axel rose he's both it was here that they met UK ska bands, Madness, and the Specials. Oh, yeah, they, our old friends. So many, old friends. so many old friends coming back. Oh my god! But also, can you imagine how much fun it would be to play with all of them? Yeah. Oh my god! I want to be there. I really like Madness a lot. I really like they're the quite, Specials. Quite great. Actually, they're we all should, pretty great. Should do an episode on Madness. Yeah, right. We've done the Specials, and what we've talked doing? about Madness before. We should just. What yeah, are you doing? we should do an episode on. All them. right, there we go. <laughs> That's how decisions get made here at Rock Candy Pretty Podcast. much, because at this point it's like, who are we going to do an episode on? I have no fucking idea. And then we're just like, oh, this looks cool. All right. <laughs> so they were impressed with what these ladies were bringing to the table, and everyone got along great. 
clearly they were so impressed and got along so well because they asked the Go-Go's to go on a UK tour with them in 1980. Oh. And they didn't even have a record deal yet, but they were asked to perform with these two pretty big bands across the pond, so who were they to say no? Right. You don't say no. No, you don't. Ginger sold most of what she owned in order to afford to get everyone Jesus. over there. Yeah. Girl was like, I believe in this committed. band. Committed. I'm committed. Hashtag. <laughs> the ladies felt this was going to be the place for them, thinking that the British punk scene would really dig seeing like a group of chicks on stage and like, what's more punk than that? You would think, right? Oh, you would think. Oh, I feel like this isn't going the way I want it to. Actually, everything was great. They had a great tour. You know, everyone loved them. Is that a lie? That's a huge <laughs> lie. They were grossly misunderstood, the oh. British punk scene. Thanks, Brits. They didn't account for skinheads. Oi, who these bitches up on stage? There we go. Did it. We, we knew we it. were going to do a terrible English accent. Oi, I'm not here for these broads. These hens. These birds. Oh, birds. Get these birds off the stage. Get these birds off the stage. The go-go's are a bird. No matter how I say it, I always sound like the artful fucking dodger. <laughs> Oi, get these birds off the stage. <laughs> Fucking stupid. I love it. They quickly discovered how hardcore these fans were. Even though their ska band buddies were all good dudes who believed in equality and just wanted to have a good times, like the audience was completely the opposite. Equality and good times amongst the dudes. Well, and not only that, but also there were a lot of racists. But, like, Ska is so not racist. Like, it's, well, like, the specials and madness. But, like, why? Why are you there? Because I don't... Because why not? This is scrambling my brain. Yeah. Like, it, do you just, know what? Unfortunately... Like, it's all just scrambled eggs Unfortunately, Ska is still like this in some ways. <sighs> yeah. Stop it, Ska. They think, like, oh, I could be accepted because I'm weird, but I also hate people of color and women. It's like, no, get the fuck out. Did you... Did you read the room? No. Nope. At all? No. Nope. Fucking kill me. Delinquents and skinheads and neo-Nazis were common in the crowds, and they were ruthless, spitting on the band and throwing things at them during performances. The initial shock was a lot, and the first few shows would end in them running off the stage crying. But Belinda Carlisle needed to get really good at swinging that mic in a very precise way. Like that Taking like Back Sunday? Yes. Take some lessons from Adam Lazara. There you go. <laughs> he wasn't around back then. He certainly was not, so he was just a baby. Well, they did develop thick skin pretty quickly and began just to tell him to fuck off right back. And they nice. made it through and told all their friends in LA how awesome it was and how big they got over there. But in actuality, they were pretty hated and just wanted to forget the whole experience. I would too. Yeah. I do not blame them. Not all was a loss, though. Okay. A lot of great songs came out of this time for them. Namely, We Got the Beat, which Charlotte started writing when she was watching The Twilight Zone and was inspired to write music that sounded kind of out of this world. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have that, like, that's where that came from. She was nervous to bring it to the band, thinking they'd hate the mainstream sound. It was a pleasant surprise when they told her how much they loved it, and immediately it became a part of their set. While in England, Ginger used her connections to Madness and the Specials to make a deal with British indie label Stiff Records, 
to put We Got the Beat out as a single. So mm-hmm. over in the UK, mm-hmm. that actually came out as a single back in the 80, uh, wow. 1980. Like before it was even like, before they even made Beauty and the Beat. Damn. Yeah. That wasn't the only song to get created around this time. It should be no surprise to hear that while touring and performing together, it would be inevitable that the Go-Go's and some of the Rude Boys might hook up for a little summer camp romance. And the what boys? Rude boys. Rude boys? Yeah, so it's like two-toned, ska boys, rude boys. Oh. That's, that's Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Now you know. The specials of madness. Okay. <laughs> Jane and specials lead singer Terry Hall began a long-distance romance. Oh. Even though Terry was engaged to another woman at the time. <gasps> Scandal. Scandal. <laughs> They ultimately knew it wouldn't go anywhere, but they still kept in touch and would even reach out to each other with musical ideas. It was that very forlorn, long-distance forbidden romance. It's just the way that Terry Hall looks. Right? I always feel like he, like, I just feel like he talks like Troopy Dog. I'm quite in love with you, Jane Weedlin. But he's British, he's like... I'm quite in love with you, Jane Weedlin. <laughs> oh, that makes him really cute now. Oh, uh, cute, but also really sad. Aww. You know, he just always looks so serious in his photos, but I bet he's like a really fun dude. Maybe. I don't know. He was in that One No Doubt video, so. He's okay. Fu- he's fun. He's a fun he's guy. He's fine, but also he was really depressing. Um, he was in The Fun Boy 3, so clearly he was fun. <laughs> so obviously he's fun. He <laughs> really you needs you to know he's actually quite fun. <laughs> Terry sent Jane a letter with lyrics to a song he had started that was kind of about their relationship. She really liked what he had there, so she decided to finish it. And that's where the song Our Lips Are Sealed came from. Oh, because mm-hmm. he was dating another lady. Yeah, and it's like they talk about us telling lies. Well, that's no surprise. Oh. Mm. Scandal. When they came back from the UK, they were a little more seasoned and had a much tighter set. And to their surprise, We Got the Beat was getting a little airplay over at uh, clubs in LA. Cool. Right? Here is where their punk sound was kind of being shed off just a little bit in lieu of more pop songs. Right. They would eventually be lumped in with new wave acts like Blondie and Talking Heads. And honestly, it did feel like a natural progression. That makes more sense. Right? Because even Blondie was like super punk when they first started. And then they made themselves into a more mainstream band so yeah that makes sense yeah of course and also it's nothing to be ashamed of because these bands who are very highly regarded in at least the new york punk scene and cbgb's Mm -hmm. what um they did the same thing yeah it 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 was a natural progression it wasn't forced to get more play it was just this kind of sounds better and we're doing it well right and they're having fun doing it. And I think that's the most important that's thing. That's more important than, like, staying true to your principles. How about you eat my dick principles? There he goes. There he is no, he writing goes. his new song, Alone in My Principles. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Not everyone was on board with this, though. Margot wanted to stay tried and true to their punk roots. Get it? There's always one. There's always one. 
she was afraid that going pop would be presented more as a product and less of artistic expression, which there there is a valid argument in that. I get that, but you know, also a record you're, label. you're still writing and performing your own music. Right, but, you know, she didn't want to be gimmicky. She wanted to be, you know, right. hardcore. I don't know. I get it. So soon she was beginning to clash with the rest of the band, and that's never a good thing. No. Maybe by chance... Or maybe by some things that truly do happen for a reason, Margot soon fell quite ill with hepatitis A. Ew, how? I don't know. I, I don't even remember the differentiations between the hepatitises, but A and B are easily cured. C was the one you couldn't cure, but now you can cure it. Maybe. Any scientists can feel free to write in and correct us. Please, please inform us of the hepatitises. Hepatitises. <laughs> Unable to perform, but with the band wanting to go on, another bassist was brought into the fold, Kathy Valentine. Kathy was born in Austin, Texas, and raised by her British mother, who would take her to London from time to time. And they'd be like, Oi, who's that bird over there? Get that bird off the stage. Get that bird off the sidewalk. I'm the awful dodger. Get that bird off the stage. (laughs) Going back and forth between places, both rich in musical performances, it inspired her to learn guitar. Mm -hmm. She would start fledgling punk and metal groups here and there, but nothing really stuck. By the time she hit 19, she was going out to L.A. to try her luck there. Again, another person's like, I'm going to try it in L.A. And it's like, well, you have a ground to stand on, don't you? (laughs) Like the other Go-Go's, Kathy ran in the same crowds and even began to follow the girls as well. She watched them evolve through the years and got to know them. So when they discovered her musical background, they asked if she would take over on bass. Kathy agreed on the spot, despite not knowing how to actually play bass. This seems also like a recurring theme. Yeah. Don't know how to play bass, but you know what? Fuck it. We need a bass player. Figure it out. To add on some extra pressure, they needed her to fill in specifically for a gig that was less than a week away from New Year's Eve 1980, going into 1981. Mm -hmm. She went home and went to work for four days straight, learning all of the songs off a crappy recorded cassette tape that Charlotte gave her while on a coke binge. (laughs) Yeah, I have to be on a coke binge. She's playing fucking Iron Maiden on that shit. (laughs) She's fucking going balls out. For what it's worth, she pulled it off. She was performing songs flawlessly with the Go-Go's. But even more importantly, she got along well with everyone. And she didn't mind that they were straying from their quote-unquote punk roots. It was just too fortuitous. They knew they would have to replace Margot with Kathy. This is exactly the storyline of that thing you do. (laughs) Is it? They stole it from the Go-Go's. They did. Tom Hanks, you stole it from the Go-Go's. Behind every great man is an even better band of women. Giovanni Ribisi was was their drummer and he broke his arm and they needed a replacement. So they got Shades in there and then all of a sudden like Shades brought in the ladies and Shades just fucking kicked it up a notch. And all of a sudden they were like, Shades, you're in the band. And then they made it big. Then they changed their name from the Oneaters to the Wonders. And it was great. Oh, my God. And it was perfect. It was exactly what they needed. Yeah, they, the Go-Go's changed their name from the Ogogs to the Go-Go's. <laughs> <laughs> from the Arrow Arrows to the Go-Go's? Yes. There you go. Yeah. 
Afraid of confrontation, though, they asked Ginger to kick Margot out for them. <laughs> that's what you have a manager for. Yeah, well, that, that's the, they said, well, she's the manager. It's her job. But in later interviews, Ginger's like, they were just fucking spineless and they didn't know how to have confrontation. So they needed me to do it. Honestly, it is not the manager's job. It is the band's job. It's everyone's job. You know what? Y'all did it wrong. (laughs) You all did it very passive aggressively. Yes. This could have been handled much better. Yes. Here was the official Go-Go's lineup, and yet still no record deal. Despite selling out venues and being loved by fans all over, labels were afraid to sign them because they've never seen an all-female group like theirs really be successful. Or... (laughs) strike that amended we've never actually tried to make a female band like this successful that's the baby yes Ah. (laughs) their luck finally changed when they caught the eye of miles copeland the third co-founder of irs records miles (laughs) is the older brother of Stuart copeland who some might know as the drummer of the police whom miles managed for a time Yes. Which, like, complete sidebar here. If I can bring you over the sidebar. Mm-hmm. You know what? Looked at pictures of Stuart Copeland. I'm like, I'd fuck him. He was very tall. <laughs> that is the only criteria. <laughs> and, like, he's, like, tall, lanky, white boy. And I'm like, I'd climb that. Yeah. But <laughs> also, like, I have problems with the police that nobody else shares with me. So Is it just Sting? No, it's with all of them. All right, well, we'll do a police episode, It too. is with... Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate me because... I'm sorry. I fucking hate the police, and I have a lot of problems with them that nobody else wants to acknowledge. Well, we're going to put those in this little bucket here. Yeah, well... And I'm going to label it Ashley's Problems with, with the, the Police. police. And I'm going to put <laughs> it on this shelf. Asterix, the bands, and <laughs> the actual, actual police. police. And I can put all my problems with the band police and the actual organization, the police. There you go. And that will be great. All right. Let's leave a lot of problems. A lot of problems. (laughs) Miles caught their act and absolutely loved them. He didn't see the Go-Go's as some novelty group, but a band of talented musicians who really did have something special. Oh, because you know what they are? That. They're they're a band of talented musicians who really do have something special. Yeah. Yeah. They're ladies. They have vaginas. That's novel. <laughs> Aren't you, shouldn't you be having babies? Where are your babies at? They're just going to dangle out of your uterus is while you perform? Do you have some secretarial work to get on? <sighs> anyway, soon after being signed on to IRS, they began to work on their debut album. They were sent to New York City to record with producer Richard Gotar. The process ended up taking nearly two months Not because writing or laying down tracks was difficult, but because they were living that typical rock and roll life. Ooh, so much coke. Yeah, a lot of coke. Something the Go-Go's were well known for was their partying. Mm -hmm. They could hold their own with any member of a rock boys club. Drinking, drugs, sex, they were into it all. And they still had enough energy to pour into creating an amazing album. When it came time to shoot the cover... They were still kind of on the broke side of things, though. Belinda had a brilliant idea. What if they just wore towels and facial masks? That way they wouldn't have to worry about what they were going to wear. And bonus, it helped the album to kind of look timeless. Mm -hmm. So it never looked dated from an outfit. Oh. 
She's smart. She's smart. Those coke benches really helped. Really, like, jumped her, like, brain. Got all the synapses going. Yup. So Ginger bought towels from Macy's, had the girls wear them, and then returned them the next day. So she was <laughs> real stern with them to keep them things clean. And she basically, she made a ballsy decision to go with white. Yeah. Do not wipe your facial mask off with those towels. I will. Ginger will you. have your ass. Because you know Macy's towels are fucking expensive. Yeah. I am. You know what? If you're going to wear towels on the cover of your timeless album, they better be them nice towels from Macy's. Mm-hmm. They were fluffy as fuck. Yeah. Finally, in July 1981, Beauty and the Beat dropped for all to hear. However, when the Go-Go's first heard their debut, they hated it. Mm. They thought it sounded too slow and too pop, and they sounded like chipmunks. Oh. Which I want to be like, guys, you kind of sound like chipmunks. But you kind of do, like, period. And that's fine. That's you. That's your sound. Yeah. They wanted to be punk and were afraid that Richard's production just ruined them. Mm. But that feeling wouldn't last because just a few months later, it would hit number one on the Billboard chart and their singles were getting heavy radio play. And the Go-Go's have made it. Mm. Miles set up a tour for the police with the Go-Go's opening for them. It was their first American arena tour and they couldn't be more excited. They were such a well-loved band that only a year later, though... They would end up headlighting their own tours. So they like jumped from doing clubs to fucking arenas. Yeah, because at this point, like it's the early 80s and it's the police and the police. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of the police. If only. But anyway. Yes. Pro- my problems with the police aside. Um, yeah, that's a fucking jump. That is a fucking jump. And it it was very quick from like they were the headline opener to like they were getting there were just as many fans to see them as there were to see the police yeah so it was it was kind of a perfect tour for both bands anyway because it's like then they're just like co-mingling fans and shit yeah. so they are out. not they they are not laminar flowing no one they're they actually just mixing oh because they're mixing their fans there you go yeah we're bringing that beer back we're gonna make this fucking work somehow <laughs> god damn it <laughs> It shouldn't come as a surprise when I say the fame hit these ladies fast and hard. It's not easy to be a fish that goes from a small pond to a big pond. And the stresses of touring and becoming such a big hit was making a lot of bad habits even worse. Ooh, I can only imagine where this is going. Mm, that's, oh yeah, prepare. The media focused a lot on Belinda's weight. They wouldn't come. Mm, I forgot about this. Fuck. Hmm. They wouldn't comment on it negatively per se, but they would always have a something to say like, oh, she's cute and chubby. And she was not chubby. Nope. She was in the slightest. Very average sized. I would say she was much smaller than average. At this time when they first came out, she was like. I would say she's like a size six. And also, maybe I would say that is quite thinner. But this is like the early 80s. And like Before she our, looked, our our obesity explosion. Our quote unquote obesity epidemic. Yeah. But like, if you look at pictures of her around this time, she looks like so Totally healthy. fine. She looks healthy. She's like, she's got like, you know, plush cheeks, I guess maybe. Yeah. But like she, her, she's. 
she looks great. Yeah. I don't, I just, I, whatever. But it, I also can look at her and say, oh, she looks average. They're going to tear her apart for being fat. Yeah. You, you know what the media deems mm-hmm. as fat. Absolutely. She already had issues with her weight, but they were bringing it out and making it center stage to who she was. So that's cool. Yeah. With that, she developed a full-on eating disorder. Cool. Mainly with the assistance of drugs that she deemed the most helpful in keeping the weight off. And mm. cocaine was her favorite appetite no. suppressant. Yeah. I hate the media. Don't we This all? is what the fucking media does to people. Right? Sure. Still. Still, it's doing it to people. Okay. <laughs> She's angry. <laughs> Charlotte was dealing with her issues as well. A few years prior, she became addicted to heroin. What? Yeah. Zero days without heroin. Zero in days. Zero in days without heroin. Zero in days without heroin. (sighs) The rising success only made it easier to obtain and more desirable to do. I guess the story was she was with her boyfriend. I think they were in London hanging out with some friends. And she already had been doing drugs like pot cocaine yeah x like you know lsd and stuff yeah and it's like oh and like i think she like ingested heroin or like rubbed it on her gums or something or snorted it maybe she She didn't inject it she hadn't been injecting it for the first time she wasn't um smoking it and then she just she she wasn't smoke i'm it was some kind of ingest either nose or just like mouth i I don't don't think i think if you snort it you die basically like your brain explodes i'm really dumb with heroin and (laughs) i I don't know but i don't know again if a scientist wants to come in and tell us how we're wrong about doing heroin i'm okay with that i don't think (laughs) scientists would do that but they might know but the point the point is she pretty much like most people became immediately addicted right it was a high that she never wanted to come down from right And the others were getting caught up in the drinking and drugs, too. Don't worry. There was enough to go around. And, of course, this was all contributing to poor communication and tensions rising within the band. It's weird. Stress and drugs and alcohol make it so much worse. It's almost like we've heard this before in, like, a lot of different stories. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Heroin just is (laughs) never a good idea. No. Just don't do it. Going into the studio for their sophomore album, the Go-Go's were nervous. Writing Beauty and the Beat was easy because they had a few years of material. Like, we've done this story before. Hmm. But now they didn't have as much. And they just spent the last year on tour partying their asses off. Yeah. So what have they got to bring to the table right now? Yeah, nothing. The struggle showed when they released Vacation in 1982, an album with a bit less punch than their first. At the very least, they did have the titular track that reached the top 10 singles charts. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of the factors that managed to push it into gold territory. Yeah. Because I listened to it and I'm like, mm, yeah, it's not. Because mm. like, hold up. Let me tell you. Beauty and the Beat. Everybody should have Beauty and the Beat. That mm-hmm. is a perfect album. Yeah. That album is fucking solid. It's got everything on it. It's got like, it still has like a bit of that punk punch. Yep. But enough of that pop bop. To make it mainstream. Exactly. And to make it easily accessible. It's fantastic. Vacation has vacation. But otherwise, it's a flat line. I just didn't really pay attention. Like, when it was over, I'm like, oh, is this over? Oh. (laughs) Ooh. Yikes. Yeah. They were being pulled in all sorts of directions between touring and recording and making TV appearances. And their relationships were suffering. 
not just between the five bandmates, but with management as well. Oh, Ginger. Mm. Ginger was feeling like she was being pushed out by a management team that wanted to take on the Go-Go's. The band was caught up in the attention and the professionalism that these new managers were offering. And the heroin. Well, that was mostly just Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Ginger was made a bit more scarce. She saw the writing on the wall. And in classic Go-Go's fashion, instead of sitting down with their friend and having a conversation, they were happy to avoid the conflict and let her slip away from the band while they hired new management. And it was very much to hear both of them talk about it was like kind of a 50-50 thing of like the Go-Go's were like, Ginger wasn't fucking around and we need, like, she wasn't anywhere to be found and we needed her. And Ginger's like, well, they clearly wanted this new band. Again, this is what I mean. Like, they weren't fucking talking. Yeah. They weren't having a conversation. Instead of like sitting down and saying like, hey, Ginger, you haven't been around. Or Ginger's sitting down like, hey, guys, I'm feeling a little left out with this new management. They were both like made these assumptions about each side. Like, well, Mm -hmm. clearly this is this. So I'm just going to let it fucking fall. And, and that's didn't, what happened. like, even try to make it a civil split. It was just like, nope, fuck you, fuck you, too, it wasn't even and like, we'll leave. Not civil. It was just passive aggressive. <sighs> it just, like, she left and, like, well, she left. Fuck it. Bye. No. Yeah. It, it, they, they know now what they fucked up on, but they were young and very right. high. <laughs> <laughs> they were young and very high. Yeah. Future Go-Go's would come to regret this decision made by past Go-Go's. It wouldn't be long before they discovered that this new management did not actually have their best interests at heart. No way. And had no clue how to properly manage this group of women rockers. No way. (laughs) Weird. A bunch of white men don't know how to do that. I didn't see this coming. (laughs) (laughs) Especially since the idea of women in rock just wasn't commonplace. Uh. They were labeled as these sweet girls next door. But that they were not. No. They went hard wherever they went. There is even a lost tape somewhere of Belinda and Cassie hanging out with some male groupies. And there's some explicit talk and something about a sex toy. Okay. I do not know exactly Which what happens on this. sounds pretty fucking tame at I, this point. I don't like, know. I, nobody's seen the tape in full. But just like, release it. It will totally get the Go-Go's back in the top 10 mm, right now. Yeah. I'll get to that. <laughs> it, surrounding that, yes. Mm-hmm. But it would be really funny if they were just pegging some dude. That would be fucking fantastic. Yeah. I'd watch that. Seriously. Like, finally. I'd love to watch, like, women fucking with male groupies. I know some friends of ours that would watch that. So, like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, let's get that. Let's get that out. Let's have a watch party. Love it. Fast forward to 1984 when they played on SNL. After they finished soundcheck around noon, they were stuck in the green room all day with nothing to do but drink wine. Oh, no. Oh, yes. When it came close to showtime, they realized that they were too drunk. So (laughs) someone gave them cocaine to balance it out. Don't do the Fleetwood, Mac, the Fleetwood method. Mac method. Oh my god, how many times Everyone. do we have to tell you people? Every time. Stop doing the Fleetwood Mac it's method. Not good for you, hot. It only worked for Fleetwood Mac for so long until Stevie Nicks blew a hole in her fucking nasal passage. It's fine. I, I'm, I need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it actually just left them completely smashed. Yes! They performed 
absolutely plastered, but apparently no one could tell the difference because it was SNL in the 80s. They were all on cocaine. Honestly, everybody that plays on SNL, I feel like, is fucking plastered. Yeah. So I mean, if your soundtrack ends at noon and you lock them in with nothing to do but drink wine, you want them to be plastered. Yeah. yeah. And you have at least one person who is getting them whatever they fucking want. They're going to get shit-faced. I hope they had a good cheese plate with that. Were cheese plates a thing? They better be. God. How are cheese plates not always a thing? Going back to 83, troubles kept piling up. And when they went back into the studio to work on another album, it was brought to the band's attention that there was a bit of a pay discrepancy between them. Oh. Jane and Charlotte took up a majority of the songwriting duties. Therefore earned extra on top of that general go-go's pay. Right. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. This didn't sit well with the rest of the band. They felt everyone should be making equal since they're all the members of the go-go's. Jane and Charlotte were not keen to budge on this, at the very least not until the next record. I kind this was of like, agree with them, though. Uh, wait, who? With Jane. Oh, yeah, no, Charlotte. me too. Yeah, like if they're doing pretty much 90% of the songwriting, then yeah, yeah, they should get a little bit more. And it was mostly coming from Gina and Kathy because then you have Belinda, who I believe was also making just a scooch more because she was kind of viewed as the face of the band. Uh, eh, whatever. Maybe she wasn't getting more, but she was definitely being treated as like yeah. the Go-Go's. Right. Right. Which she didn't love because everybody's like, she's chubby and cute. She's like, you know what? She's cute, but she's fat. It's like, it's fine that she's fat because she's cute. Yeah. Anyway. That makes me want to fucking barf. Always. To add insult to injury, Jane wrote the song Forget That Day, a personal account of a fleeting romance she had with a man she met on tour. This is very common for Jane. <laughs> it, it was important enough for her to ask if she could sing lead on it, and everyone nicks that idea right in the bud. Belinda's the singer, and it would be weird to have anyone else singing it. No, no, it wouldn't. No, I mean Freddie Mercury was the lead singer of Queen, but Brian May sang some lead on some as songs. Did Roger? As did Roger. So not, not that weird. Not that weird. Not that weird. No. no. There was health problems galore, too. Charlotte was dealing with a crippling case of carpal tunnel syndrome due to how she was holding and playing her guitar. She thought it would heal in a few weeks, but actually that turned into a few months. (laughs) Honey, carpal tunnel just doesn't miraculously heal itself. Yeah, she got the surgery and she's like, this will be fine. Oh, God. I mean, you gotta go through, like, you gotta keep You need that PT, bitch. I mean, you don't necessarily need PT. You just have to keep, like, exercising your hands. Right. So that you actually can play guitar and your hands don't fucking seize up. Yeah. Her little break here kind of made the other girls resentful that she, quote, wasn't putting in as much work. What? I don't know. They all were just bitter bitches at this point. Like, I get it, but, like... I say that lovingly, but they were all clearly just, like terrible at communicating just getting high and drunk all the time but like if one of your bandmates is going through a very like tough time health wise and they have to get a surgery that is also directly related to your job Mm -hmm. then maybe you should just take this as a time where you can all just 
sit and fucking chill for a little bit until your bandmate is up and running again. You would think. You would think. But when you're out of your mind on coke and booze, like, I guess you just want to go, 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 go. Yep. Ha-ha. Well, uh, get out of here. Ah. I didn't mean to end that on a pun. I didn't mean that at all. No, it worked. It's good. It's good. I like it. You know, for what it's worth, though, they can take it. They can take things seriously when they need to. Mm -hmm. Because even worse was the discovery that Gina had a congenital hole in her heart and would need surgery to correct it. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. She had a hole in her heart. Holy shit. Hole in her heart. It's a hole in her heart. Holy shit. Oh, I, am, I immediately go to extreme. Oh, see, There's I was thinking. There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. I was just like, thinking, they're like a hole. <laughs> I know. We go in very <laughs> different fine. directions. <laughs> Scared of the outcome, they banded together despite their tumultuous relationship to bring Gina out to Palm Springs to party before the surgery. However, uh, they told Gina she couldn't do cocaine because of her heart condition. Good. Good decisions, ladies. Thank you. you. Pretty sure she still drank. <laughs> you know what? It's the little victories Happens. here. At, at least she didn't do coke. There you go. To everyone's relief, Gina's surgery was a success. Good. And after some time to recover, she was back banging the drums in no time. Glad to hear it. She just wanted to bang on the drums all day. Get out. You Never. can get out, too. No, I love that song. <laughs> We're just out in the hallway now recording. <laughs> so we kicked each other out. But the happy times were fleeting for sure, as once management told the band they would be forced to split publishing rights equally, Jane just couldn't do it anymore. With that, she told her bandmates she would be leaving after the tour. Oh. Their third album, Talk Show, was released in 1984, and at this point, Go-Go Mania seemed to have deflated a bit. Despite having two singles, Head Over Heels and Turn To You, get into the top 10, the album itself never reached the top 40. Hmm. So after the tour, Jane leaves, and the ladies knew they needed to do some rearranging. So Kathy took over rhythm guitar, and they hired Paula Jean Brown from the band Giant Sand as their new bassist. She could tell things were rough in the band, and they were only hanging on by a thread. Oh, that sucks when you join, like, a new group, and you're like, oh, I walked into something. (laughs) It's just like... People throwing shit and just like screaming and like making snide remarks about things you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm afraid to ask. Oh, my God. It's like when you get transferred to a new department at a job. <laughs> and then like within like three days, you've heard fucking hot goss from 20 people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, everyone here hates each other. Yeah. And I need to get the fuck out of this. But also I need to find the one person that I can kind of trust to tell me all the hot goss. So that I know what I can say and what I can't say, who I can talk to and who, who I, can't I can't talk, talk to. to. Yeah. That's what Paula needed. I guess she kind of found it. She could also see how much Charlotte was suffering due to her heroin addiction. Still. Probably, we're still on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Well, because I think she was the only one who wasn't coming in, like, just drinking and high all the time. Yeah. She was the one who would really push Charlotte to get clean. And this positive influence affected Belinda as well, who decided she needed rehab to kick her cocaine addiction. Good for all of you. Right? So both Belinda and Charlotte go into rehab. After finishing their programs, they came back to work on more Go-Go's music. But they realized that being in this band was becoming detrimental to both of their health. 
They got together with the others and in 1985 told them they were disbanding the group. Okay. Gina and Kathy were furious. They wanted to continue, but they were told basically, well, Charlotte's the songwriter, Belinda's the singer, so without them, you don't have any Go-Go's. Kind of. And this left the two feeling really worthless. Yeah. So here's where we have a split. I know it's only like been a few years of the Go-Go's, but I've already been talking for over an hour. Honestly, I did not realize that the Go-Go's were so early in the 80s, and I did not realize that they quit so early right so like by the mid 80s they all went off to do their separate things yeah i wasn't really sure how to tell this part because i don't want to go balls deep into everybody's solo shit so i'm just gonna give you some little bullet points for everyone so as many know belinda went on to have a pretty awesome solo career in the 80s with hits like heaven is a place on earth Mm -hmm. mad about you I get weak. I for, I fucking forgot about these. Mad about you. Mad about you. Mad about <laughs> We're so good at this. <laughs> Jane also had a decent solo career. I mean, it was nothing huge, but it was hers. And on top of that, she had a few acting roles in movies like Clue, Bill and Ted, and Star Trek Four, where I am going to assume that she played a Vulcan. Probably. She's got that look. She's got the look. She's got the look. (laughs) You're welcome. Charlotte has done a lot, but a good chunk of it was being a writer and session musician for for Belinda. But she has written a lot of music for other musicians. And most interestingly, she wrote a rock opera about porn star Linda Loveless called Loveless. Oh. Right? I kind of want to like see that or hear the music or something. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I'm into it. Right? Gina went solo too with a band called House of Shock. It didn't really make any waves, but that didn't stop Gina to keep from writing music for the pop star likes of Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez. Oh. But also I think House of Shock should have gone on tour with House of Pain. Oh my God. And it would have been the Shock and Pain tour. Yes. Or Pain and Shock. Shock and Pain. Shock and Pain. Mm, Yeah. I like that. I like it. Kathy went on to work with another band called the Delphines, where they put out a few albums she also had some solo work and even reunited with her pre-Go-Go's band, the Textones, for a minute. I know, Textones Text sounds... Textones. I feel like that's something that Daryl Hall should have been in before Hall and Oates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the textiles, but they're tones. Get it? Despite the undoubtable successes these ladies experienced while they were apart, it didn't mean they couldn't still get together from time to time. There were some reunions throughout the 90s for benefit concerts and even to write a few songs for their greatest hits album, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. But in 1997, there was some pretty spicy drama. Oh. Mm. Gina sued the Go-Go's for (gasps) unpaid royalties. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. a long time to wait to sue. I don't know how... You know I don't look into legalities because... Yeah. Some people can sit and watch like court TV... And watch, like, depositions and shit like that. I can't can't. do it. Overall, she alleges that after the band dissolved, a sum of money went to Charlotte, who did not distribute the funds properly. And so she wanted $100,000. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if that's something she just found out later. And she was like, "Um, where's my money? Yeah. I don't know. Eventually, they would settle the matter outside of court and would never speak of the incident again. It's like it never happened. It never happened. Once that was behind them, the Go-Go's decided to give it another go-go. 
get out again. I guess we're going back in. (laughs) They went back into the studio, and in 2001, they would release their fourth album. By the way, fourth album. Only their fourth album. 17 years after their third. That's crazy. Like, that's what's blowing my mind about the Go-Go's right now, is that I had no idea that I was so wrong about their timeline and yeah. so wrong about how many albums that they put out. Pretty much everyone's wrong. Yeah. We're all wrong. We're all wrong about this. Turns out. And uh, yes, the album was called God Bless the Go-Go's. Critics were impressed, saying they were glad the ladies didn't resort to any updated sounds like hip-hop or electronica to like sound current. Which We're looking kinda... at you, Dee Dee Ramone. Oh. But also, that was the funniest album I've ever heard in my fucking life. so hilarious. You know what? It brings me smiles. It does. You know what? That's enough. But the album only reached 57 in the charts, even though Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong helped them on their song Unforgiven, it just wasn't enough to make a grand splash. Oh. Billy Joe Armstrong helped you out? I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I will say, actually, Valley- Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Actually, not Valley. Um- God Bless the Go-Go's is a pretty good album. I would suggest listening to it. Mm-hmm. It's like a classic Go-Go sound, but they do sound more mature, too. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's nice. Throughout the aughts, the Go-Go's went back to touring on and off. But in 2013, we have more spicy drums. Oh. They would be doing so without Kathy, who not only left the band, but also sued them after a reorganization in their corporate structure knocked her from earning 20% to 2% of the profits. That's kind of a big drop mm. in percentage. So mm. what? I'm sorry. Why? I don't like, know. Why? I, again, I will I will dip into reasons why this shit isn't more known. Mm-hmm. This is shit I had to dig for. Yeah. At the time, she was also suffering from an injury to her wrist that would prevent her from the first leg of their tour. Yet they went on without her, despite halting one years before for a knee injury for Jane. So that's kind of fucked, right? Hmm. Hmm. There was some bad blood between the two parties for about five years until 2018 when there was some kind of reconciliation and they were all back together again. Again, we don't know what it was, but it was something. Money? I'm assuming money. Money. Let's go with money. Money. When the Go-Go's documentary was released last year, it coincided with a new single they released called Club Zero. And so here we are in the present day, and they're still making music despite all of the drama and problems that they've had to work through. I'd say that's some pretty impressive perseverance. It's pretty hard to believe that despite this extensive resume, the Go-Go's are still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. But also, it's totally believable. Yeah. However, this fact has given me a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. So join me here. Are we bashing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame again? Because if so, I'm all in. I mean, always. Always. But. Like, they're on par with the Grammys at this point. They mean fucking nothing. Nothing. But we, we can bash at the end. Yeah. Hear me out here. So in my research, I found Culture Mix 1 Online, it's just this website, had a review of the documentary. And they bring up a lot of valid points that even I noticed while I was watching it. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. While the like the documentary is good and it like gives you a few things you haven't seen before, it actually doesn't tell us something, anything that we haven't already seen in VH1's Behind the Music. Okay, which already, VH1 Behind the Music is a nice baseline, but that's about it. Like, 
Again, but they ha- actually went a little more hardcore in the Go-Go's one because they were, like, sponsoring, like, this big reunion show mm-hmm. and Jane was in It was, like, the, the hour life. and a half one, not the 45-minute yes. one. Yes. Gotcha. It was the big fancy one. Okay. But, in fact, behind the music actually delved into a little bit more of the raunchier side of the Go-Go's than the documentary, which That's- 100% glossed it over. They were like, oh, yeah, we did a lot of drugs and stuff, but, like, they didn't talk about the you know, the scandalous home video that Belinda uh-huh. and Kathy made. Like, it doesn't, like, super go in. They're like, yeah, we like to have sex with boys, whatever. But, yeah. like, that, like... I do, I vaguely remember that coming out, and they tried to make a big deal out of it because it was, like, women talking about how much they like sex. Oh, my right. God. The last few minutes of the doc really go into the fact that they aren't in the Hall of Fame yet. Okay. And some have viewed this whole thing as the band sending a direct plea to the powers that be for induction. But also you don't need to because it means nothing. Right. Here at Rock Candy Podcast, we generally (laughs) view the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to be total bullshit. Mm, Agreed. Yes. It is valid, though, to wonder why the hell the Go-Go's aren't in it. Yep. I mean, hold the fucking phone. Because, like... This is a band of women who came out in a scene that was pretty fucking misogynistic, playing their own instruments, writing their own fucking songs, reaching number ones. Managed to make their own way. Yes. Somehow. Yeah, I guess they went a bit more mainstream than they started out as, but it wasn't because they wanted to sell records and make money. It was yeah. because that was a natural progression of their yeah, sound. Because no one wrote those fucking songs for them. Right. They wrote those fucking songs for themselves. So even if it was to get more airplay, they still fucking did it themselves. And let's take a hot second here. All right. So if we're going to bitch and complain about the Go-Go's not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where they, when they write their own music, mm-hmm. they have done their own thing mm-hmm. this entire time. hmm if we're going to compare it to another f- female-centric rock band, let's compare it to Heart, okay. who for a very long time throughout the 70s and the very, er- very, very early 80s mm-hmm. wrote their own music, put out their own stuff, had a hand in producing it and everything like that. Right. But then when their popularity waned and they weren't doing so great, they decided, yes, we will sell our souls to rock and roll or whatever and let dudes write our songs, dudes produce our songs, dudes manage us, dudes do all this stuff, and we relinquish all control of our music. Nancy even gave up playing acoustic guitar and was forced to switch to electric guitar, which she didn't like playing. But she did it because they basically sold their souls yeah. <laughs> to rock and roll and were like, whatever it takes to get us back on the charts and making money and making music again. They did that. Guess who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is it Heart? It's Heart. Hmm. So it's kind of fucking bullshit that they would be like, no, Heart has more integrity yeah. in their career than the Go-Go's do. That's pretty shitty. That is very shitty. And also, if you're going to go down that route, you have to talk about people like Iggy Pop, who are who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And he did the same fucking thing. Yeah. He went commercial, too. Yeah. He was like a punk rock fucking god. 
and he went commercial. He allows other people to write music for him, and he's in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But the Go-Go's aren't. Yeah. You have to wonder, with things like this documentary, with the way that they kind of have a lot of control over how they're you know, seen in this, and also, like, how they really kind of go hard at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the end... You know, are they trying to put forward a cleaner image in the documentary so that they can be considered? Mm. It's obvious that women in rock are clearly held to a different standard. Absolutely. Right. Like, so do they feel they wouldn't be considered because if they're more honest about wild partying, you know, people are going to be like, oh, oh, scandal. Because, of course, classic rock bands like the Rolling Stones and Black Sabbath are held in high regard, not just despite their extreme antics, but, but also because of them. Because of them. It somehow makes them legendary. But aside from a few exceptions, most of the women in the Hall of Fame have managed to keep most any extreme offstage behavior under wraps. Like, I looked at the women who are in there, and it's like, they're not known for, like, you know, fucking a girl with a fish like Led Zeppelin is. Yeah. You know, they don't have that shit because they can't. Yeah. Um. But this is also just speculation, right? I mean, I could just be making all this up. It could be very well all chalked up to ceremonies and awards just still being a big old boys club. And it's mostly overlooks women. And really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really reflect how people really feel because that's that's definitely a part of it. That is it. Yes. That's definitely a part of it. But no matter what the reasoning is, the Go-Go's are certainly owed their due. I don't even like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it still pisses me off that they're not in it. But anytime I hear a band not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that 100% should, Mm -hmm. I am Joe Bluth going, come on! (laughs) Like, really? Why? Why? I know. And and I love Stevie Nicks, but like she's been inducted twice at this point. She's like one of the few, I think, not the, the only is she she's the only, the only one she's the only woman the only woman that has been inducted i believe twice. there are 20 something men that have been inducted twice yes yeah she's the only woman only that's woman. been inducted twice mm. and they managed to do that so why can't you just induct more women mm, but like t-rex really needs to get in here <gasps> <laughs> but the police really need to be in here look i really need todd rodgren in here <laughs> Like eight times, because really. <sighs> they are the originators of pop punk and helped bands like Bikini Kill yeah. feel empowered enough to start the Riot Girl movement. I would honestly associate them more with the Riot Girl movement than I would like any L.A. punk scene, any yeah. any kind of punk scene, but really. even grunge. I mean, Kurt yeah. Cobain has attributed the Go-Go's yes. as one of his influences. Because Kurt Cobain knows what the fuck is up. God, I wish Kurt Cobain was still alive so we could have a Kurt Cobain what's up hotline. Hey, welcome to the Kurt, Kurt Cobain, Cobain what's up hotline. Oh my what's God. What's up hotline. You guys got some info for me. Thanks. He would, oh, the tangents he would go on. <laughs> I but would I, listen to them. But I mean, even still, like the bands that have shaped our youth, us millennials, mm-hmm. like Green Day and No Doubt, they would not have happened nope. without the Go Girl. Go Go's. <laughs> go Girls. You Go Girls. Go Go Girls. <laughs> They are five strong women who are the cornerstone of music and they deserve to be celebrated. And again, I just think awards are bullshit and stupid, but it still just... It still it still cheeses my grits. Yeah. and Still frosts my cookies. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, I figured we'd go on a rant because it's like, it's so 
it's still exhausting. It's 2021 and women are still held to a very different standard. I mean, even today in like rap and hip hop and R&B, like you have Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion rapping about their pussies and like, oh no, but like, right. and and Missy Elliott, who is rapping about her fucking snatch in like the 90s, right. who is still rapping about her snatch now. But like, I was hearing Pony at my fucking middle school dance. <laughs> right. So like, what the fuck? And also to the window... To, to the, the wall, wall to, to sweat sweatshirts on my balls. balls yeah like we were listening to that shit when we were in fucking middle school right but how dare i hear about like a woman having a gratifying sexual and how experience. dare i hear about a wet ass pussy when i myself an adult woman have had a wet ass pussy <laughs> at least once in my life at least once at least once look there's only one woman who hasn't it's ben shapiro's wife <laughs> but the point is that i'm trying to make is it's just still the case. Like, it was the case in the fucking early 80s that they were treated differently because yep. they're women. And it's still the fucking case in 2021 that they are treated differently because they're women. I will say they are up again for a nomination. They goddamn better be. So if you have any investment, go vote. You can go vote. I did it. I was going to do it again. And then I forgot. You're supposed to, apparently you can <laughs> vote like every day or something to get them in. It's just, I guess the documentary worked. I guess. But it also, like... But also, such... we need to work. Work. You're right. It's it just... It's one of those things that... um It does kind of piss me off, too, because I feel like they, they're they hiding who they are in a way. Which Like, I they're get. very honest. Like, oh, we had a lot of fights, but, like... And they make a valid argument. They think... They're like, look, we're still together. We've broken up and had a lot of issues, but we're still together because we talk and we work through them. Whereas, like... Or we've gotten mad. Like, we get extreme and we get pissed. Whereas a lot of dudes just walk away and, like, get pissy at each other and talk about each other behind each other's backs. But I really hope that, like, if they actually do get nominated to be inducted, and they are inducted this year, that the inevitable Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance that they have to do... I really hope they do their own rendition of WAP, because that would be just oh my God. fucking fantastic. I just think they'd have to get the permission for like, that. Get, but like, just get Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion on there. Mm-hmm. They can play the background, and like Cardi and Megan can just yeah. go yeah. off. In general, I'm just really sick of watching white dudes at these these awards. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm yeah, over it. that's that's basically how I feel. Let's celebrate the Go-Go's and like, Jesus Christ, I didn't even realize how much they've done for rock until I did this. But now I'm like, what? <laughs> Fucking celebrate them. At least for women who are um, not as crazy popular. Yeah. As like the Miley Cyruses and Selena Gomez's of the world. Right. Or whoever the fuck is popular now. But I don't uh, yeah, know. I don't know. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. I like that Billy eyelash. I bet she likes the Go Go's too. Hey, you know what? I bet you. I bet you. I'm not even mad that she doesn't know who Van Halen is. You don't need to you know. know. What? You don't. It's fine. Figure out who the Go Go's are. You'll be all right. Right. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to ask her Van Van Hagar or Van Roth. You know what? I don't She'd care. She'd be like Jerry or Gary Sharon. <laughs> Gary who? Oh, that's an old one. Oh, that's an old one. All right. This is where we wrap it up. Thank you all so much for listening. I know that was a lot. 
But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hmm. That was my little story on the Go-Go's. I'm glad I know more about the Go-Go's now. Same. At least about their timeline, because I had it way fucked up. Everyone did. Everyone. I mean, like, even after I've watched, like, behind the music, it wasn't until I was really doing this, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this really... all happened before I was born, and I'm old, I know. so. <laughs> like, they were broken up by the time we were one. Yeah. <laughs> We were oh. one and we were like, oh, I guess no more Go-Go's. Okay. Oh. No. Yeah. But they're back together. It's fine. And they'll probably have another breakup. I don't know. They've had a couple farewell tours, but like all older like, bands. I don't like, trust farewell tours oh, anymore. No. So like, I'm glad we saw like some farewell tours. Yeah. But I don't trust it. Because now with COVID, it might have been a farewell tour. <laughs> yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you and love you. And if you are digging what the Rock Candy Podcast has to offer, you can visit our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. You can comment on episodes, toss us an email if you've got any questions or comments or need to verify science for us. And <laughs> you can also find our social medias. we got Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we're trying. We're trying to not suck at those, but here we are. Yeah, we're... We just don't understand the social media. No, we do. We're just lazy. Uh, yeah, and, and I just don't want it. Like, it's hard to get into TikTok. Oh, we're, I gave up on TikTok. We're just going to, you know what? We'll post pictures. We'll do what we want to do, and you're going to fucking like it, and that's about it. We're not going to evolve like the Go-Go's did. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I've done enough evolving in my 37 years on this planet. So. Honestly, I'm just happy to sit I'm here with kind my of, beer. I'm kind of in my final form, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you want to contribute to our podcast in any way, monetarily, monetarily, you can do that at Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash podcast, and you can give us some money and maybe we will give you some swag in return. I think we will, though. We will. Probably. Eventually. <laughs> I got the swag out like relatively on time. She did it. This time. Proud so. of her. I am proud of myself. Also, you get a bonus episode every month. And you get a bonus episode. And you can also get some merch. You yeah. should buy some merch. We have t-shirts and totes and stickers and Mouse all that good and stuff. And we need cell to... phone cases. Yeah, we need to do some Yeah, no, more we'll do that. Soon. We'll do that next. Yeah. So yeah. there's a bunch enough. of sales on T Public this month. We'll we'll let you kids know when they're coming up. Yeah. They'll be soon though. Yeah. I think tomorrow. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um all right, I guess next week we'll be diving on into another fun-filled story. But until then, uh, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. And party on your crazy kids out there. Ooh, baby. Do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Say yeah.